Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we speak with AMC Network CEO Josh Sapin about how he finds hits like The Walking Dead, whether skinny bundles will shake up the TV industry, and how this election has affected TV ratings. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Stephen Perlberg. I'm here with uh, my editor, Amal Sharma. What's up, Amal? How are you? How's it going, Stephen? It's going pretty well. Uh, We have a really exciting episode once again for you. We are joined in the podcast booth by Josh Sapin. He's the president and CEO of AMC Networks. So you know AMC, IFC, WeTV. Those are some of the networks uh, under Josh. And, uh, of course, you know shows like The Walking Dead, which uh, returns later this month. So, Josh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So we want to we jump right into it. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now in the industry about this, the, the concept of sort of uh, peak TV. And it feels like it's getting mm. harder and harder to launch new TV series and, and kind of gain uh, momentum in, in the ratings and otherwise. And whether that's sort of due to the overload of original programming out there or, or maybe some other factors like cord cutting that we can get into, um, it, it looks like the ratings kind of across the board in the industry are, are sort of challenged. And I'm wondering from your perspective, when you're launching new shows, is it sort of the systemic pressures out there that, that you can't overcome or uh, is it sort of programming that needs to be adjusted in order to, to stand out? How do you really stand out in this clutter? Sure. You know, I think um, one thing to think about as we have this discussion about many more shows on television, what jumps out, what people talk about, and what ratings are, which is the business side of it. Um, if we start with the business side, which was the focus of your question, is what's happening in linear ratings and also what's happening in total consumption. Because we do see a bit of a shift uh, away from linear um, by degree. And then we see enormous consumption in subsequent, in subsequent periods on demand. Um, and that includes paid for on demand. We had a show called The Night Manager, which sold like crazy. It was a miniseries with Hugh Laurie uh, and Tom Hiddleston. And it did reasonably well in ratings, and then it did phenomenally well in the period afterwards. So it's worth and then considering. And some awards, awards buzz helps. Uh, awards buzz helps, and, and proper dating, proper associated dating during the time of the show for Tom Hiddleston was a happy accident. <laughs> um, so that, that, that cooperated. But it, is, it really does, I think, give, give one a view of show success, how much a show is, quote, in the conversation. And that has important qualities, including what the next season may look like. Is So for you, it's um, there are two challenges. I mean, there's, there's the <clears throat> issue of perhaps the audience not being um, where it used to be, but, it, but it's, it's going to come in at some point on different platforms or VOD or just time shifted on DVR. Or it's it's going to consume the show. But beyond that, even when you add up those numbers for a lot of shows, and I'm not speaking just about AMC, but it does seem like there is some sort of um, a, a lot of programmers and content creators are experiencing a frustration of there. It's shows that have a lot of momentum and even crit- critical acclaim in the first season to keep that up is tough. And and even shows tied to big franchises. I mean, um, obviously, Fear the Walking Dead was was uh, was was highly anticipated and, and came out of the gate strong and has had had its struggle had its struggles in the second season and I could name shows for FX and other this isn't particular to you guys this is something sy- system wide but it does seem that there's been um a little bit of frustration in 
like you know, Stephen was pointing out, you know, standing out, getting traction. And the question is, is is that just really a is this just a feature of um, the system now that you're going to have to deal with the ecosystem of television that whether it's because of time shifting or people are leaving the system, you know, pay television people are, are, are cutting the cord or some other reason it's just so fragmented with so many shows that this is just the new reality. Yeah, you know, I think it's worth parsing the individual elements of what's going on because otherwise they combine Mm -hmm. into uh, what feels like a sort of complicated and hard-to-comprehend stew. Um, I think a few things are going on macro. Um, One is there's been a mild decline in aggregate linear consumption. Uh, There's not been, however, a decline in aggregate consumption of video content. So that's been stable if one includes all platforms. Worthy of note Mm -hmm. because, at least for us, it allows and invites activities to take advantage of that both promotionally and from a business point of view. Uh, And I'll get back to that, including the fact that we set up a studio. So we're now owning instead of no shows and leasing all we're owning at the moment nine shows that are on the air, which means that we are the beneficiaries of consumption economically when it plays at 9 p.m. on Sunday night, and we are the seller of that show into domestic subscription video on demand platforms like Hulu, uh, and we're the entity that owns it and sells it to our own channels overseas in 140 countries and to subscription video-on-demand platforms all over the world. And so that is a diversification of our business that we've been at since 2010 that is now a not insignificant piece of AMC. And it's meaningful to us, aggregate economics, because we've diversified where the consumption is moving by degree and where there's money. Back to the macro for a second, um, I think that... Uh, it, it probably and interestingly invites a sort of marketing challenge, which is <clears throat> if there's a little pressure on linear because there are more options and opportunities, how does one take advantage of uh, the fact that there are all these more platforms? Because people do like to talk about TV, and they like to talk about TV And it seems to a little bit define the cultural conversation the way that movies once did. So if you can harness that properly and you can own the material, then I think you can actually ride some of the upside as consumption patterns alter a bit. Does that make things sort of more expensive from a marketing perspective? I noticed you you, you guys have done some some marketing efforts on platforms like Snapchat and and some some newer ways. Whereas, you know, in the old paradigm, if you had people tuning in, at eight, like you just sort of throw what's on tomorrow at eight, you know, in front of them, and that would that would be sort of the way to, to promote it. But in this new world, you've got so many different channels that that you have to spend money on to to get that attention. Does that do you find yourself sort of upping those budgets, and and how do you kind of mix those around? Sure, it's 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 uh, both more expensive and it's cheaper, uh, more efficient. No kidding, because it um, there is, and we see this, I think, recently in the current presidential election, which is you see the importance of social media, which is, of course, is not paid. And so conversation, social media, and talk and referrals are an ever more important, important part of 
marketing. If I were to ask you, and maybe I should, where you hear about uh, what you're going to watch on television, I might guess that it's less likely that it's a paid ad that you see and perhaps more likely that a friend tells you, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So the new word of mouth has to be harnessed. It has to be energized. It has to be acknowledged. But it actually can be less expensive. So that's a really, really important part of what's going on. And it means things like for the good and the bad, awards matter a lot. Uh, favorites matter a lot. Lists matter a lot, not surprisingly. So it's it's a little harder, and it's actually, in a certain sense, a little bit easier. Uh, speaking of the election, which you just mentioned, um, there was you might have seen these reports about the NFL yeah. being hit in the ratings, which is it's sort of one of those sacred elements of television that sports is not going to decline. So, of course, there was a lot of consternation. What does this mean? Everyone's trying to figure out if it's real. The league's uh, explanation was largely this is about the election cable news is gobbling up ratings and everyone wants to watch watch Trump all the time. So I thought, you know, I'm skeptical of what the real re- reason is. You know, there's not enough data yet to really prove it. Uh, but you would think that that would also, if that were true, it would be impacting everyone in prime time. And I wonder if, in, if you're, are you seeing any signs of, of the intensified interest in the election hurting entertainment programming also? Um, I, I don't know. It's not particularly as well as I can understand it affecting us dramatically. Um, I'm not sure, like you, that I have enough data to understand it. And I'm not proximate to the NFL circumstance, so I don't know how one would conclude that it's uh, current or it's systemic or it's a trend. It's certainly, as we all know, uh, extraordinary uh, in terms of um, taking over people's dialogue and commanding their attention to the election. So it may be having that effect on sports. I'm not quite sure. Right. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Uh, I think people are looking for signals of of what could be unusual in the in in the television universe. What are what are things that would tell you, uh, OK, this is this is a change that means the system is less, uh, the, the industry is a little bit less stable than it was before, but I think it's a bit early to conclude anything based on yeah, what we know at this point. It's also, it's, if it wasn't the election, it's, you know, the Olympics. If it wasn't the Olympics, it's it's Nielsen. So there's always saying of something, it seems, percolating out there to, I don't know, to hit, kind of hang yeah, you know, some of the I, doubts on. I think you're probably right. It, it's, it, there's, there's always a good uh, dialogue to have about one thing or another. If I may, I think what's interesting about it, um, whether it is that a little or a lot, or whether it's a trend or whether it's uh, momentary, is, at least for us and the way we think about the approach to the world, meaning our business, is that it probably suggests that, uh, and we've taken steps to attend to this, that it is good to be more than a channel provider, which we are. It's good to be in geographies outside of the U.S. and be a channel provider. So we purchased a company that had channels around the globe uh, that was owned by Liberty. And so we now have AMC Networks International. And so we have exposure to everything happening outside the U.S. as well as inside the U.S. And I think that's wise and smart because if you narrow the conversation, you do get a question of whether this is going on and whether you're going to be negatively affected. Secondarily, program ownership, uh, we've probably had a perhaps a bit of a leadership position in it, but we're not the only people. We did set up uh, studio functionality and this ownership, and it really does change 
our participation in the way the world operates because we are the beneficiaries economically of subscription streaming services who are licensing and buying our content. We're the beneficiaries of people buying transactionally on iTunes and other platforms. And so it means that we're television content factory maker, not insignificantly, next, I guess it's next week. It's just a nice note that demonstrates it. We'll have three uh, shows on three of our different channels that are produced by AMC Studios, a series on Sundance called Rectify, which is, a, I think, a beautiful a beautiful show, something called uh, Dirk Gently, which is a brand new series on BBC America that comes from AMC Studios, and The Walking Dead on AMC. So in one week, in our world, on three different channels, we'll have three shows that come from our sort of own studio or factory that we will own, and we'll see revenue from for a very long time well, uh, from you know, different means of expression. As you mentioned, I mean, that, that is definitely a more attractive <clears throat> position that some media companies are taking, but it's also a challenge when you've got um, sort of deep-pocketed competitors that are willing to spend more and more uh, on content, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. So can you, can you kind of describe for us what the marketplace is like now for new shows when you're, when you're out there? I mean, does it, does it ever get to the point where you're looking at something and it's just because the Netflixes of the world are, are willing to spend so much that it, it doesn't make economic sense for you to invest in a show, even if it is something that might be right in your wheelhouse? Sure. You know, it's, it is, uh, it's occasionally the case, but not most often, that uh, there's a show that comes to so-called market that where there's competitive bidding and money matters most. That does happen occasionally. More often than not, and this is not just a convenient answer, more often than not, the material that we will uh, bring to air has been in development for an extended period of time. Uh, we're just, we just announced a show called Lodge 49, and, and we opened a writer's room for Lodge 49. It's got great creative auspices. And uh, so we've been working on Lodge 49 for probably, I'm going to guess, a year and a half with some wonderful uh, people, Paul Giamatti and Dan Carey. And, and so that wasn't bid, and there, it wasn't a... Uh, the NFL rights that got brought to market and you had to put in your envelope with your cash and see if you had the most amount in it. At the same time, some new project from Paul <clears throat> Giamatti, the antecedents of that are going to be, you know, Netflix might want that or uh, others might want that. The the root of that, even if, it might, you know, you guys help develop it, it's got to be it's got to be tough at the beginning, right, to, to you know, compete? It, yes and no. If you're a desirable platform and you have a reasonably good reputation, um, it, there is this sort of odd, and it's worth just describing it as, an, as different than sports. Sports is a limited commodity that gets bid up and it goes one place and not the other. A, call it dramatic or comedic TV series, is either going to be good or it's going to flop, and you don't <laughs> know beforehand. So, your biggest bet is whether it's going to work or not. You're, and, and then every once in a while, there's competitive bidding. But um, most projects, or certainly many, really do have extensive development periods. And so you're really not bidding because it's not fully baked. You're actually developing. You're working on it, and you're reading scripts. I've got four in my bag, uh, and I've been reading scripts this afternoon. 
at lunch, by the way, at the at the counter, trying to work <laughs> while I ate, ate Waldorf chicken salad. So, so Stephen and I will will be happy to take a look and yeah, weigh take in. a look. You tell me what you're thinking. You guys seem to have very good taste, but in all seriousness, but it makes the point because so the, there is a the common notion that price will get it. It's probably a greater challenge to identify the right thing and get the right thing, and money doesn't always help. All right, we're going to take a quick break and read those scripts. Um, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be right back uh, right after this. I'm Katie Hill. And I'm Quentin Fottrell. There's too many markets and more. We talk about the most fascinating personal finance stories of the week. The selfie now kills more people annually than sharks. 75% of Americans tip less than 20%. You want to collect Pikachu. Collect Pikachu. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a cotton picking minute. What's so special about a Pikachu? For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. Money. Market. And more. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Josh, um, I want to pick up on, you were talking about owning shows and the, all the, the revenue streams that come out of that. Um, uh, licensing to SVOD, global revenues. You didn't mention consumer products, which I think for at least for The Walking Dead, I guess, is right. probably um, is a nice business. Um, but on the on the streaming services bit, there are you know a lot of the companies that have been selling uh, their shows and the studios that have been doing this, um, the big the big media conglomerates that have been doing it for years, they've sort of gradually come to the conclusion of uh, this was a double edged sword. And now increasingly, when you listen to certain bigwigs in the industry, it's oh I wish I didn't do this. Uh, it cannibalized my ratings. This was all the wrong idea. We took the wrong strategy as an industry. You've had a more nuanced view of this all along because you've talked about how it's you know Netflix supported Breaking Bad ratings, uh, feeding in you know the viewer viewership into that. Um, but also, you shifted your new shows to Hulu recently. Um, so you've I, talk talk through how sure. you've you know the evolution of your thinking about the relationship there. Right. So uh, we have thought from the start that um, it would be wise to balance um, uh, receiving money and degrees of exposure on a subscription video on demand service in a much later, and if I can underline the word later, window, and that that would be beneficial for our company on two fronts. Um, one, that money's good and it helps support our system and it helps support our capability of producing and, and, and so-called winning. Uh, and second, that it's promotionally good because it creates exposure uh, that helps subsequent seasons. So we've had that view during that period of time. I think you're right, Amal. Others said, we're going to do it. We're going to go take it. No, we're not. Oh, we, gee, we regret it. We, we wish we didn't. Oh, gee, we'll put it on the next day uh, and we'll count that money. And we've been fairly consistent for five or six years, which is we do participate with subscription video on demand services in subsequent windows. We tend to put a year or so uh, between when it premieres on our linear service and when it goes to Netflix or Hulu. And we think that protects the integrity and importance of its exhibition on our linear service and on subsequent cable or satellite VOD. And that a year later window 
both is economically attractive and creates incremental exposure that introduces new people to a show that can help it sustain season over season. So that's been what we've practiced. We haven't moved from it. It seems to have supported our business pretty well. Uh, One could argue about long-term implications for times we may go into that are sort of unknown, but it's made a lot of sense for us, and we've pursued it. Of course, the other big strategic question all uh, media companies will face is how how to get their networks into the the skinny bundles that 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 uh, are popping up um, that's going to be a major economic question for for the future of any company in this business you guys have been uh, sling and sony i believe you uh some AMC, amc networks are, are in each of those as far as i understand right uh, what about Hulu? the Hulu MVPD is coming, the online MVPD? Is, are you going to be in that one as well? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's probably worth, just for a second, if you don't mind, because I think the word skinny may not necessarily be appropriately applied. It's become common nomenclature, so we all use it, including me. Um, to date, there are, uh, I guess, three packages of what would be considered alternative services. I'll use Sling, an ecumenical Sling, word. Sling, Sony, and what would... Sling, Sony, and DirecTV, which just launched an OTT service as an extension of AT&T DirecTV. That one is like a fat bundle. Really. Yeah, <laughs> so if we define those three, but yeah. it's worthy of defining yeah, yeah. them. So Sony View, which uh, I would say on the spectrum would be considered more fat than not, meaning it includes more services. True, yeah. Sling at a 20-odd price point is skinnier, more limited, and all of our services are in the DirecTV, AT&T uh, internet offering, and so I would call it uh, to use the nomenclature fat or full. So the evidence today is based on three that are out there, uh, two full fat, if you want to call them. Uh, uh, they haven't posted the, the calories. Skim. And the other is sort of skim. Exactly right. Yeah. That's the data. It is worth looking at the data and the subscriber count, it doesn't necessarily predict where the future is going, but at least it clarifies what's occurring today. And everyone thinks there's a million skinny bundles that are eroding the world. They're not. They're actually largely complementing it. As you probably know, cable video subs have been actually flat or growing for MVPDs. The big the one, past. the big cable companies. But they're yeah. growing. Yeah. So at least the, the, the intuitive logic of skinny bundle cable offering in decline, A, the decline's not occurring, it's flatter increasing, and B, the, bu- the bundles are not skinny. This is important. Fat. You, you think this is going a lot slower than maybe a year ago people thought, the decline of well, the traditional subscription business? I mean, to, emphatically, I would say, than people thought, yes. <laughs> and in fact, it's not even going slower. It's actually in part going in the opposite direction. So it's just worth... It's worth identifying the facts. It doesn't mean that a trend might occur in 2017, 18, or 19 that's different than what we're seeing today, depending upon who offers it, at what price, and what goes on competitively. But at least to date, there has been a much more moderate uh, effect of alternative offerings. And the alternative offerings have been, to say it honestly, less alternative. They look more like what you buy on cable television conventionally, at least from two of the three entrants. The, the conventional wisdom, though, is that we're sort of nearing, whether it's early next year or at some point next year, some 
sort of true skinny bundles in the $30 to $40 range from a Hulu or Apple or an Amazon. I mean, these companies are all trying to make it happen. And when that when that happens, I mean, are you are you in talks for, for a, a true, I guess, skinny bu- skin bundle, whatever I want to call it, uh, for, for that kind of shift? I mean, do you see it sort of going in that direction? So we, we've uh, participated in the three right. that exist to date and will talk happily and energetically to absolutely everybody and look to support and participate. But if I may, just because it's a subject of interest, certainly to absolutely. us, and I hope to you, um, you mentioned 30 or $40, and you used the word skinny associated. No, just it's worth thinking about because uh, there are many MVPDs where a price of high-speed data may be 50 or $55. And if you buy a discounted package of video, sometimes with IP telephony, and you sign up, there's one recent that came across. It said basically two years, 300 channels of video. It actually includes premium services that you normally pay extra for. It has IP telephony, and it had reasonably good speed, but not mega speed on the data side. The data was 55 bucks. The whole package was $85. So if you believe, whether or not you believe there's value in IP telephony, I assume there's some, your net effective video price is 30 or 40 bucks. Well, this has always been the question as well with streaming services, right? Like when you cobble them all together, <clears throat> are you ending up you know, paying more than, than your original cable? So I guess you would, you would say e- even if this uh, mythical skinny bundle can be created that potentially – you know, you could cut the cord for, for for no reason at all? No, I actually don't know how it goes. I just know that to date, Today. it's just because things may be unique and they may surprise us all in certain manners. I wouldn't predict. I would only say that to date, things that are in our language are presuming and stating, sometimes explicitly, things that are not happening. Yeah. So it's just worth, it's understanding, sure, the trend is there and the possibility is there. It's actually worth probably staying with some of the facts just to understand what's actually sure. We haven't seen anyone make the, t- the the choices you would have to make to get to <clears throat> 35 or 30 or 40 require, uh, I'm leaving out an entire 22 networks from Viacom. I'm leaving out entire Discovery. I'm leaving out an entire... AMZ or whoever, A&E, you're going to have to make big choices to get that number down or get Disney and Fox to really do some things they're not going to do. So it is worth noting that it's it's going to be very difficult to do. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. It's fair to say, I think you would agree that that your leverage in distribution generally, whether it's for these online packages or just in general, uh, comes from one of two things now. Either you're a giant conglomerate, Disney, Fox, Time Warner, I guess, uh, or you got to have some kind of must-have programming that nobody could do without. Sports is predictable must-have programming for the most part. And then you're in the other category, which is generating hits reliably. And that's kind of the thing that makes it must-drop. Nobody can drop The Walking Dead. Nobody could drop when it was on uh, you know, Breaking Bad. But that, does that add a different type of pressure as a standalone company? Does that make it a bit more difficult to be a standalone company at AMC's size in this environment. Yeah, you know, I think, um, well, well, I guess, again, I think our history is over the past five years since we've been public and publishing those numbers in that manner. Uh, we've had well above market uh, rates on what is called affiliate growth, affiliate growth rates. So we've been compensated pretty handsomely for that which we offer, which has been strong. I'll offer a, um, a thought, if I may, which is that 
uh, <clears throat> the notion of scale and size, of course, comes into a conversation in business. That's, that's a fact. And, but there is increasing consumer accountability for anyone who is a video retailer. You better be good because you can go elsewhere. So if you're uh, subscribing to a cable company, in many instances, you can subscribe to a satellite company or you can subscribe to what we would commonly call a telephone company. And increasingly, you can subscribe to an Internet service that offers a video package. So if something you think is good and you're attracted to may not be there, then that has competitive implications, presumably. So I think that the consumer has more voice, authority, and control than ever before, and that's likely to increase. And the opportunities for purchasing in different so-called electronic stores is also likely to increase. So I think that the accountability is not, uh, I need the most monster hit in the world, sports, or I need to be able to clobber the guy with my size. I think it is a little bit more moderate, which is, how good is my programming, and what does it cost, and what impact will it have on the business of an electronic retailer, meaning MVPD, satellite company, or telephone company? And I think I'll just tell you what we think. So we think we have an extraordinarily attractive, if not low price, for what we offer in terms of consumer appeal. And therefore, we are very attractive for every package. You can look at the third-party published data of rates, we're on the lower end of the scale by a fairly significant factor. And I think most people would agree, retailers have said it to us, oh my goodness, you're worth more than the entity that sells me 20 channels that costs three times what you cost. So I do think it's not binary. Mm -hmm. I think that there are multiple influences on it. And I think price and consumer appeal will probably increase in importance over time. All things being equal, if there was a deal that came along that gave you more scale that made sense, would you do it? You know, we, we it's all perspective, so it's impossible to answer. I think that uh, what we've done uh, sort of transactionally or in M&A recently probably is indicative of our thinking. We purchased, as I mentioned, what was called Cello Media. It's now AMC Networks International. And uh, the price was published. It was around a billion dollars, and we expanded dramatically overseas, and then we converted channels there to AMC and Sundance, we, so we have a global footprint. And then we purchased a, <clears throat> ultimately, 39.9% of BBC America, which is the channel that operates in the U.S. because we thought it had extraordinarily great consumer traction from its content and was also attractively priced and, of course, was related directly to the output of the BBC, which we think is perhaps the world-class studio in the globe today. So we're now connected to that material. And um, so those are the deals that we thought were smart for us to do. We thought it enhanced our operating leverage. We, it enhanced our sort of brand ubiquity, if you want to call it that. It enhanced our geographic diversity, and it enhanced our proximity to killer good television shows. Uh, all right, last last question in our <clears throat> in our lightning round here. Um, we wanted to take your temperature on on sort of the Viacom uh, CBS news. Um, uh, you know, if that if that deal were to end up happening, 
what that might look like? I mean, is that another huge competitor in the marketplace? Does that have any bearing on on how you do business, or you know, what, what's your sort of take on on that? You know, I, I think our business is—I really mean it—we're not immune, of course, to external <clears throat> uh, configurations of companies. Um, uh, there has been uh, it, primary to us, actually primary presumably has been consolidation on the MVPD or distributor side because those are our direct customers. And they have been consolidating by degree for 20 years. Uh, during that 20 years, we've prospered pretty well. We've been uh, raising and increasing our rates. We've better, we're better rewarded. And I think our stature in the in consumer community has increased across all of our channels. And our profile is good in a consolidated world. Competitively, I don't think it has any impact uh, much impact at all. Um, there are, as you guys well know, uh, you can count them <clears throat> um, probably six, seven, eight, nine groups of cable channel operators. That would make it one less. They'd be under one roof. Uh, it wouldn't have, I don't think, necessarily any particular effect. Were you surprised at the speed of, of, uh, of that deal coming together and how, how quickly the Redstones, Sherry Redstone and company, move to do that. It's, it sort of took a lot of people by surprise how quickly this is happening. It's their business. You know, it's uh, whatever they're doing, I hope it, it works out well for them. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we'll be watching. We'll be following along. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Please, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Great. All right, well, we'll catch you next time on the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.